Welcome to the Pinocchio Project. I'm Mitch Friedman, and in my life and experience as a husband, a father, a church planter, and a university professor, I've discovered that everyday ideas about human flourishing have significant consequences. Here at the Pinocchio Project, our mission is to examine these everyday ideas and determine if they actually deliver on their promises. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Pinocchio Project. Uh, Today, and in our next podcast, so this podcast that I'm recording uh, right now, and the next one I record will drop on Monday, the 25th of April, and then on Friday, the 29th of April. So in these two next podcasts, we will wrap up our construction of a biblical worldview framework. Uh, We'll go back to the, uh, the framework again and again as we begin to then uh, examine ideas, everyday ideas that promise human flourishing. Uh, But today, uh, I'm recording both podcasts that will drop on the 25th and on the 29th, where we will wrap up the biblical worldview construction template uh, that we'll use for our comparing and contrasting ideas in the future. And so just as a review, we've said that a, that a worldview in particular uh, answers four essential questions that every image bearer, that's every human being, finds himself or herself asking. Uh, that's the question of origins, uh, the fundamental question, what does it mean to be human? And then the question of problems and the, the fundamental dis-ease or discomfort is that, that things are not supposed to be this way. And then the question of solutions to the problems with a fundamental yearning, uh, which I'm couching as, uh, what does it mean to be saved? How are these problems solved? Uh, how can I get to a place where I feel that, that I'm set up for flourishing? And then the fourth question is destinations. And that's sort of a telos or a maturity or a completion question. Uh, is all this going somewhere? And the fundamental focal point is what's to become of me in this story? What's to become of us and all this that I see around me? And so that's, that's the basic categories of worldview development. And in a biblical worldview, uh, the, the terminology is for origins, creation, uh, for problems, the fall, for solutions, redemption, and then in destinations, restoration. And we've covered now uh, the first three components of a biblical worldview. That is the creation account, uh, the, the fall story, the redemption story, and we talked about the, the great idea that God had to redeem us from our sin and from our alienated state through his son, Jesus Christ, who was willing to go on this mission of redemption. And I'll review all the benefits of Christ's atonement in a minute. Uh, and so today we're going to also now close out with restoration, which is the destinations question. So creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. And so what I want to do is I want to review uh, the benefits of Christ's atonement for us. Uh, the first thing we said is now fallen image bearers uh, by faith in Christ are reconciled to their creator. Uh, we are now uh, accepted in the beloved uh, as as 
Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1. And then secondly, from an identity standpoint, we are now given back this this full humanity where we're, we're indwelt by God's Spirit, and our identity is to be purely recognized and our security recognized as being in Christ in this new humanity he's given us. Uh, that's a Second Corinthians 5.17 understanding. If any man or woman is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things are passing away, and check it out, all things are becoming new. Uh, and remember, we have this resident Holy Spirit, literally Christ in us, uh, to empower us in this new humanity. The third great uh, benefit of Christ's atonement is that all redeemed image bearers now are empowered to reconcile relationships. And this is so important. If I could just pause right here, uh, I pastored a church or a variety of churches uh, in total for about 30 years. Uh, and my, my, my most recent was a church that I planted uh, and pastored for 18 years. And I was consistently befuddled. Uh, I was consistently uh, just questioning why it's so hard for image bearers who have been redeemed and forgiven by Jesus Christ's atonement to actually be willing to forgive each other. And I saw, I saw individuals and families, and I saw groups of people who alienated themselves from each other within the body of Christ, within the church, and refused to allow forgiveness into the picture, seeing it as weakness. But if, you, if you'll allow me to offer up the most powerful thing that we can show the world forgiven image bearer, is forgiveness itself, is our willingness to release the people that have hurt us so that we can be pictures of what's been done on our behalf. The most powerful thing we can show the world is a posture toward forgiveness when offense and hurt comes into the picture. And you see that throughout the New Testament. Paul tells uh, his churches across the board, from, from the church in Ephesus to uh, Colossians, that we are to forgive one another just as in Christ God has forgiven us. So the great, the, the great benefit of this, this interpersonal relationship with other image bearers is that we now have been empowered and commanded to redeem and reconcile relationships. And that reconciliation must be offered as well to folks who are not yet inside of God's provision in Christ and are still enslaved by bad ideas. Uh, that's, the whole, that's the whole message of what we know as the fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians, that we are to be ambassadors. And then the fourth great benefit of Christ's atonement is that image bearers are empowered to carry out the original creation mandates. I've said a lot about that. Uh, I'm going to just uh, keep on moving forward. We'll talk more about these benefits and how they work themselves out in the next movement in God's grand story, the final, the fourth movement, the movement of restoration. We'll talk more about how all these benefits of Christ's atonement work themselves out now as we are called to be agents of restoration. And so now I want to move to uh, this movement four in building your biblical worldview, movement four of God's grand story. God's grand story, the Bible, is not a curated collection of, of disparate or, or separate or segregate ideas and stories by a variety of authors. 
God's grand story, the Bible, is a completely self-contained, holistic, integrated narrative of everything that God has done in eternity past is doing now in our time and space and how he will wrap things up in the future, the telos. And that's, that's the restoration component that the, the, where is all this going and what's my part in it as it is moving toward its completion. This is the restoration movement in God's grand story. And basically, uh, you see it in narrative form from the gospels. Uh, Matthew, uh, is the first gospel. So Matthew chapter one, uh, through Revelation 22. Now, that, that is the whole of the restoration movement. Uh, but I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball because contained in this Matthew 1 through Revelation 22 section is, is actually an already of the restoration and a not yet of the restoration. So there's an already been completed and there is a not yet but will be completed in this restoration movement. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to break the, the restoration movement down into those two parts. First, the already, the right now, and then we'll talk about the not yet in our next podcast. So uh, the already uh, of the restoration movement uh, for us as redeemed image bearers is found, again, in Matthew 1, but only goes through Revelation chapter 20. Uh, where God is still dealing with uh, all of the all of the enemies of God, He's making all things right. Uh, image bearers, redeemed and and not redeemed, unfortunately, uh, are being called into account. Uh, those with faith in Christ are secure. Those who refuse to submit to Christ, unfortunately, are are insecure. They're given the last opportunities. But this restoration movement for redeemed image bearers, the already part, is what you and I are living in. If you're a follower of Christ, you are in this restoration season before the final restoration. And so in this already part of restoration, uh, we as redeemed image bearers are called to submit daily to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It is our responsibility to live on this journey of discipleship, being taught to obey so that by faith, through faith, and from faith to faith, we become more now conformed or formed into the image of Jesus Christ. So our relationship with Christ now in this restoration season is that we readily, eagerly, uh, sometimes reluctantly, and then are forgiven, uh, we, we submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And our identity is becoming more and more secure because as the biblical text says, as our, as our mind is being renewed, we are conformed to the image of Christ. Now, as to our relationship with other image bearers in this restoration season, we are called, commanded to initiate restoration of broken relationships. I said that before in our identity and redemption, but now in this restoration season, we are called to live it out. Redeemed image bearers are called to initiate restoration of broken relationships, and that's relationships that I've broken. That's relationships where people have hurt me. Uh, that is relationships where people who are still far from God and I have influence in their lives. Uh, I'm called to be a winsome agent of this great idea called the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, so that broken relationships, people alienated from God, 
can hear clearly, winsomely, the opportunity to now be freed from the bad ideas enslaving them and submit to the beautiful idea of God's grace through Jesus Christ. And now finally in this already season of restoration, redeemed image bearers are to be cultivators and creators of our own. We are co-regents and and now we are sub-creators based on what was given to us as commands all the way back in Genesis chapters one and two. Uh, As we said last time, this, this new humanity we have, we are empowered to live into fully the creation mandate and the cultural mandate where we form and fill the earth and we create culture. Uh, that is our responsibility here in this already season of the restoration movement. And so I want to close this uh, portion. I know it's probably been a little bit short. Uh, but I don't really have much more I want to say about it, except I want to give you some application. You might be thinking, you might be saying to yourself, I think I understand, Mitch, but so what? What what does this mean for me to be an agent of restoration in the land of the already redeemed and now being restored? I'm going to give you four questions you can ask in your sphere of influence, large or small, uh, one, one of the challenges we have as believers when we get really motivated and fired up and that the passion of the Holy Spirit is igniting us and we want to go out and change the world is that very few of us are actually going to change the world. We're called just to promote and propose great ideas in the spheres of influence that we've been given. And so I want to offer four questions you can ask about your sphere of influence when it comes to living in to God's grand story now and your place at the table in this season of restoration. And ask, ask these questions, pray about the answers, and then when prompted to action, begin to take action. So the first question for every agent of restoration is, what is good in the world? What's good in my sphere of influence? What's good in my relationships? What's good and true and beautiful that I can celebrate, promote, protect, and resource? And I would offer that uh, here in the already portion of our restoration commitment, uh, there is a lot of opportunity to promote, protect, celebrate, and resource what's good, true, and beautiful And if I could just give an example of something that's uh, readily available to all of us uh, here in the West, here in the United States, uh, pregnancy resource centers are absolutely deserving and needing our celebration of the good they're doing, our promotion of their activities and and their uh, opportunities to protect babies. We can resource them. We can volunteer. Now, the second question, after what's good that I can celebrate, promote, protect, and resource is what's evil that I must resist and fight? Let me pause right here and let you know that an aspect of becoming mature as a follower of Christ, spiritual maturity, is being able to see what's being offered as ideas uh, on the street where you live, in the schools for your kids, uh, in the workplace. One sign of spiritual maturity is being able to recognize a really evil idea that will enslave more and more image bearers to ideas that create victims. So as you see what's happening around you, 
as you look at the headlines, as you see what's going on in your kids' schools, what do you recognize that's truly evil and contrary to God's grand plan through his grand story and your part in it that you must resist and fight? And when I say fight, I'm talking about fighting in the terms that we discussed in our first or second podcast. We don't fight like the world. We fight with spiritual weapons where we use better ideas and understand bad ideas so that we can pull down these strongholds. But we must be willing to be confident enough and courageous enough to enter the fight against evil. Now, a third question for every agent of restoration here in the land of the already is what's broken and hurting that I can help remedy and heal. And all of us have those opportunities every day. Uh, when I sit my wife down, look her in the eye and say, babe, I'm heartbroken about the way I talked to you last night. I was really at my worst, which is unfortunately still way too common for me. But when I ask someone sincerely to forgive me and I make restitution as appropriate, when I serve someone who cannot give me anything in return, when I'm kind to someone whom the world sees as marginalized, that's a way that I provide to what's broken and wounded. I can help provide remedy and healing. This is just the simple way that I put my restoration responsibility to work. So you might want to pause right here. I'm going to give you about five or ten seconds because this may be the most readily available opportunity for you. Just think about it for a second. We'd love to hear from you if you decide to take action, if, if God's Spirit in you has motivated you, prompted you to provide remedy or healing to what's broken and wounded. And then the fourth question here in the land of the already is what's missing that I can provide through initiative and innovation. This is where the cultural mandate comes in. We are called to improve things. Uh, we are called to to be a force for good. And what do you see that's missing? Uh, it could be in your church context. It could be in your community context. It could be in just a personal relationship context. What's missing that you can provide through initiative and innovation? So these are prompts that I think will help you as you feel motivated to take the responsibility you've plainly been given as an agent of restoration. What's good, what's evil, what's broken, what's missing. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And if you have some ideas, everyday ideas that are promising flourishing that you would like us to examine, that's just right around the corner. Uh, it'll be a week from Monday the 25th, so that will be the 2nd of May, I believe. May 2nd, we'll start examining ideas through a biblical grid to see if they're actually reliable and promote flourishing, or in the theme of the Pinocchio Project, their nose is growing. Mitch Friedman, Jeff Olson, signing off from beautiful Lago Vista, Texas. Thanks so much for listening. If this podcast has value for you, we have new episodes dropping each Monday and Friday. 
please follow or subscribe, share, and give us a five-star review. And if you have an everyday idea you would like to submit for us to examine, just hit the links in the show notes below. And remember, ideas have consequences.